I want, I want, I want me, 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 mine, 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 now, now, now. You know you're responsible for what you hear. You know you're responsible for what you hear. Greetings and welcome to Thoughts from Harry Head, the weekly podcast where I talk about, well, whatever happens to be bouncing around inside my head at the moment, but mostly focusing on constitutional issues and political decentralization. This is episode 127 of Thoughts from Harry Head, and I appreciate you tuning in. This week, I'm going to talk about Washington's farewell address. last few weeks, I feel like I've been ranting a lot on this podcast. I've been talking about delusional Trump supporters and uh, the federal debt, and uh, I talked about burning your Nikes and and all of these crazy protests, and uh, I've talked about the fact that I've been called a uh, Obama-loving Democrat just because I dare to uh, criticize the great Make America Great Again President Trump. So lots of ranting, lots of things that have kind of gotten me wound up. I thought this week I would take a little bit of a different approach to thoughts from a hairy head, a kinder, gentler approach, a a more cerebral and academic episode, if you will. So this week I'm going to talk about George Washington's farewell address, and this is an appropriate subject because last week was the anniversary of the publication of that address. The uh, address was initially published in the American Daily Advertiser and then quickly was reprinted in newspapers all over the uh, country. Uh, The original publication date was September 19th, 1796, so just a few days ago was the anniversary. Now, I'm going to admit that I'm not the biggest George Washington fan in the world. Uh, He was a Federalist, and he was a little bit too much under the sway of Alexander Hamilton. And I think as a result, we have, uh, it set the stage for a growing, powerful, more national government than, you know, let's say if Jefferson had been the first president. But George Washington was first. And I think to his credit, the most amazing thing was the fact that he was willing to relinquish power. Because think about it a minute. What mighty military hero has given up power? Think about people like Napoleon or Alexander the Great. I mean, these guys, they conquered and they held on to power until they either died or somebody else beat them on the battlefield. And George Washington could have done that. After defeating the British, he could have basically been king for life in the United States, but he was willing to 
relinquish that type of power and that type of personal glory. And I think that says a lot about George Washington's character. I may not disagree with every political decision he made. Uh, I'm certainly not happy with the influence that he allowed Hamilton to have in his administration. But if nothing else, you got to give the guy credit for being willing to let go of power. So his farewell address, he hits on a lot of different topics. And it's interesting because when people remember and talk about the address, they generally talk about his warning against political parties. He talked about that at length. Uh, his admonition to avoid getting wrapped up in entangling foreign alliances, that's something that we could certainly use today. It's interesting because when conservatives accuse me of having wacky foreign policy, I like to remind them that I'm basically uh, advocating the same foreign policy that George Washington did, uh, among other of the founding generation. But George Washington certainly uh, strongly advocated for not getting involved in overseas wars and getting tangled up in treaties and alliances that would uh, end up getting the United States into uh, bloody foreign wars. So uh, we talk about that quite often. Uh, We talk about the fact that Washington said religion and morality are indispensable supports to political prosperity. Um, and particularly people on the religious right and Christians like to talk about this aspect of this speech. But I think that we overlook an even more significant and poignant warning in Washington's address. Uh, It's a warning that we failed to heed to our own detriment. Washington advised that we should hold tight to the original Constitution and avoid giving in to the temptation to turn it into a living, breathing document that changes with the whims of whomever happens to be in power. As Washington put it, we must resist with care the spirit of innovation upon its principles, however specious the pretexts. Washington went on and wrote, quote, One method of assault may be to effect, in the forms of the Constitution, alterations which will impair the energy of the system and thus to undermine what cannot be directly overthrown. We see these alterations in the Constitution all the time. We mostly get them courtesy of the federal courts, uh, as they have expanded all of the various clauses to authorize and I'm using air quotes around authorized, federal actions that were clearly left to the states and the people. You know, thanks to these constitutional alterations, the federal government has pretty much interjected itself into almost every area of our lives, from dictating how much water flushes down our toilets to what kind of light bulbs we can screw into our light fixtures. Of course, we can't wholly blame the courts Uh, Presidents have seized a wide range of unconstitutional powers, and and that's altered and undermined the constitutional system. In fact, I would argue that Washington did a little bit of that himself. Um, But just as one example, abandoning the constitutional division of war powers and allowing the president to initiate military operations has led to more than two decades of endless warfare. And of course, Congress has done its part. It's punted a lot of its responsibility to the executive branch by passing these ridiculous, broadly worded bills that basically allows uh, these different bureaucratic agencies to write laws after the fact. So, you know, they get this kind of template and then the, uh, the bureaucrats fill in the blanks. Well, Washington warned us that these kind of alternations, alterations would undermine the system. 
And it's interesting because James Madison, who wrote the very first draft of Washington's farewell address, he gave us a similar warning, emphasizing the importance of a fixed constitution in a letter to Henry Lee. Uh, Madison said he entirely concurred in the propriety of resorting to the sense in which the Constitution was accepted and ratified by the nation. In that sense alone, it is the legitimate Constitution. He said, if the meaning of the text be sought in the changeable meaning of the words composing it, it is evident that the shape and attributes of the government must partake of the changes to which the words and phrases of all living languages are constantly subject. What a metamorphosis would be produced in the code of laws if all its ancient phraseology were taken in its modern sense. Well, we've certainly seen that today. Washington wrote that time and habit are at least as necessary to fix the true character of governments as of other human institutions. He warned that constantly changing the meaning of the Constitution through government action, like courts and and basically just ignoring what it said, that this would ultimately prevent any kind of stable system from developing. He wrote, experience is the surest standard by which to test the real tendency of the existing constitution of a country. That facility in changes upon the credit of mere hypothesis and opinion exposes to perpetual change from the endless variety of hypothesis and opinion. And remember especially that the efficient management of your common interests in a country so extensive as ours, a government of as much vigor as is consistent with the perfect security of liberty, is indispensable. Now, a lot of people today still they embrace this living, breathing constitution hogwash, and they say it has to be flexible and changed with the times. But Washington was not ignorant of this fact. In fact, he admitted the need for flexibility, but he insisted that change must happen within the constitutional system itself through the amendment process, not via political maneuvering by the government itself. He wrote, if in the opinion of the people, the distribution or modification of the constitutional powers be in any particular wrong, let it be corrected by an amendment in the way which the Constitution designates. But let there be no change by usurpation. For though this, in one instance, may be the instrument of good, it is the customary weapon by which free governments are destroyed. The precedent must always greatly overbalance in permanent evil any partial or transient benefit which the use can at any time yield. In other words, when you give the government power, it's going to be turned against you. Sadly, we've not followed this advice. The bastardized federal government has run up over $21 trillion in debt. It fights unconstitutional wars. It spies on everybody and violates your rights. We probably should have listened to Washington. Well, that's it for this episode of Thoughts from Meharry Head. We're another 10 minutes closer to freedom. I really appreciate you listening to the show. If you enjoyed it, do me a favor, spread the word. Feel free to send me any thoughts or ideas to michael.meharry at 10thamendmentcenter.com. And if you haven't done it, you can subscribe to the podcast over at iTunes. Thanks again for listening, and I'll talk to you next time.